As humans, we're naturally driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search. Match. With Indeed, when I was looking to hire someone, it was so slow and overwhelming. I wish I had used Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform, with over 350 million global monthly visitors according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. That's Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply. Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Hey, wonderful listener. This is Christina. If you love these podcasts, please make sure to rate each episode, leave a review, and subscribe on the app or platform you listen in on and share with others. It really is a great way to support my work and helps so much. Also, if you want to watch the video of the show, the link to my YouTube channel is below. Welcome to Strange Paradigms. In this weekly show, we'll be taking a look into the news and headlines to pick out curious reports of the strange and mysterious. 
anything from space advancements to UFO news, the paranormal, and stuff labeled as fringe science and fringe phenomena. The idea is for you, the viewers, to be able to offer your thoughts and input on the stories we cover in the live chat. Each news item we go over in the show, I will place the links in the description box below as soon as the show is over, as well as chapters on the timeline index. Some weeks I will host the show on my own, while other weeks I will have guest co-hosts join me. And this week I'd like to give a warm welcome to Priscilla Stone. Priscilla, how are you? I'm doing good. Hello. I might still be a little hoarse, as I was telling you before, guys. So if I start muting out of nowhere, it's because I'm having a cough attack. So <laughs> bless your heart. And you know, today is Friday the 13th. So I got to ask, mm -hmm. do you believe in the superstition of Friday the 13th? I mean, do you think it's naturally an unlucky day? No, I actually don't. Like, I've always loved the number 13. And maybe I've just been a weirdo. I've always loved black <laughs> cats. If a black cat walked in front of me, I would just want to keep it and take it home. So maybe I've made friends with the number 13 and black cats. And maybe just being a witch makes me realize that intention's everything. So if I don't think it's bad luck, it's not bad luck. So then if you like the number 13 and black cats, which I love, I love <laughs> cats, any, any shape or form or color, I love them all. <laughs> so then would it be an extra lucky day for you then? Has that happened to you so far? No, I just have never had, I've always had, every time it's Friday the 13th, I get really happy and I always have a really good day. I mean, today I went hiking with my husband who's like in the army, so it wasn't such a good moment at times because it's hot and he's like <laughs> drill sergeant, but he's not really a drill sergeant, but he was like, come on, you know? And I'm like, oh, it's oh, supposed gosh. to be Friday the 13th. This was supposed to be a nature walk. But no, like it was ended up being a beautiful day. And um, I've never had like a bad experience with 13. And I we've even used it for my son's jersey um, at one point, like his first soccer jersey. So so then <laughs> I, have, I have another question then. Uh, when it comes, because I know when we're dealing with hotels and when we're working with elevators, usually the number 13 is omitted from, from all the numbers. Does that the same go for sports? Mm -hmm. I don't know. That's a good question. Um, I don't really, I'm not like I play fantasy football because I kind of got roped into a team from a long time ago and they won't let me leave. But <laughs> other than that, I don't know. I don't follow a lot of sports teams, you know? So I don't follow I sports say. at all. So but the hotel thing is interesting, like in the article that you sent over. Yeah. And we're going to get into that. First, I do want to say hi to absolutely everyone in the live chat and my question also goes towards all of you do you think friday the 13th is a naturally unlucky day or is it extra lucky for you and do you think it's weird that elevators still to this day about 85 percent of them do not have the 13th floor also mark tasaka since jimmy's not here and i just i'm sorry if i butchered it Thank you so much for the super sticker. Uh, Priscilla, please say his last name. Maybe you can say it better than me. No, I unfortunately do not have a good accent. So, <laughs> so we're in this together. I attempt, but... Um, Let's hear it. Yeah. Let's hear it. Oh, I couldn't. I couldn't. I don't... I, I can't. Now I'm on the spot. I'm sure like, if I was reading it and trying to be cool, I'd be like, the saka. But <laughs> Yeah, that sounded really nice. Not going to lie. My family didn't teach me Spanish because it was like their secret language. They could talk about anything. 
This and I wouldn't true. know. So, but I'm kind of mad. I'm like, I want to know Spanish. Now I got to learn it on my own. Uh, you know, it is a absolute beautiful language. I'm going to share my screen of the very first article, which is related to today. And that is Friday the 13th. <laughs> so there's a whole article on it. And we're just going to kind of briefly go over it. So we got this, you know, this poor man <laughs> stepping in gum. And if you've ever stepped in gum before, it is hard to come off like casually without the special tools. You know what I mean? <laughs> Matthew, thank you so much. It says, my son was born on Friday the 13th. Oh, wow. And his son died on the same day. You got the good with the bad. That I am so sorry to hear that. And thank you so much for supporting the channel. So let's kind of get into this article. And like I said, all the links will be placed in the description box below as soon as we're done. But this legend and my and I'm putting quotation marks there. <laughs> it's been going on for centuries and it's been believed for hundreds of years that the number 13 and Fridays are supposed to be unlucky. And people have even done tests. They tried to collect data <laughs> and do research on if Friday the 13th is really some unlucky day. Priscilla, from that article... Um, what, what were, what was some research that was conducted? I thought it was kind of funny that they had linked it or interesting. I should say they linked it to, uh, was it Judas and then also Loki? Yes. So wondering like in my head, since so many things are borrowed from other mythologies, I'm wondering if Judas and Loki kind of have this are like the same type of archetype, which that's what I thought about. I know that's super weird, but, um, you know, is Judas a Loki and is Loki a Judas? That's what that was my thought on that. And then also somebody said something in the chat about like the Templars. I don't remember seeing that in the article about the Templars. Did you? No, it, it wasn't in the article. And I'm not too familiar with the Knights Templar. Scott Walter is. Uh, he's done this research for, for years. So I do recommend oh, cool. asking him that question. But for those that don't really know the story of Judas, it, it's a biblical story. And he was the he was the man that betrayed Jesus, and he was also the 13th guest to arrive at the Last Supper. And this is very similar with Loki, which is a, a part of the, the Norse culture. And Loki arrived at a party in Valhalla, which is kind of like, I guess I would kind of describe it as heaven, like the, the, the realm of the gods. And he, too, was the 13th guest. And this threw into chaos the balance of the 12 gods who were already there in the Norse mythology. But what's interesting about this and some data that was collected was back in the 1990s, there was a UK researcher by the name of Thomas Scanlon. And he went ahead and he tried to, he collected data for two years to see the, the traffic flow, if there was any significant flux when it comes to traffic on Friday the 13th. And he noticed that there were fewer vehicles on their motorway on Friday the 13th compared to any other Friday. He also looked at emergency hospital admissions, such as poisoning, animal bites, and transport-related accidents. And what he found out from his research was that there was a significant increase on those exact things. And what's even more interesting is that even though there were less people on the road, 
there the the accidents that were that happened on the road increased by 53%. How does that make you feel, Priscilla? Well, it makes me think of maybe we're kind of creating this because first of all as an as a introvert ex- introverted extrovert, I would like to go out more if I knew less people were out because there's less things happening. But the accidents happening more, and I have heard healthcare workers talking about full moons and Friday the 13th as being super crazy in the ER. But um, have you heard of the experiment with the world, the the random number generator? And I think you can find the information through the World Math Heart Math Institute, where when people as a collective experience or think something, it would affect this random generator this random number generator. Mm -hmm. So I'm wondering if so many people focusing on being freaked out, like when they leave the house because it's Friday the 13th, maybe driving more erratically and being more accident prone. Cause you know, when you're nervous, you're kind of like you do like, you're trying not to like mess up. So you mess up more. They're focusing on that. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. So like you're, you're already like nervous because it's Friday the 13th and then you see a cat and then you like roll your car. (laughs) So (laughs) I don't really know. Jeez. Well, there was even a <laughs> nether research done that was placed in the article, and it was conducted by Dr. Simo Neha from Finland. And while the first researcher only did two years, this one from Finland did about a, a 26-year span. And in those 26 years, he collected 324 Fridays that fell on the 13th and 1,339 controlled Fridays. And pretty wow. much, yeah, that's a lot. What he ended up finding was that on Friday the 13th, there was an increase in female deaths by 38% and for men, only 5%. Why do you think (laughs) there is such a difference in percentage between men and women on when it comes to death on Friday the 13th compared to any other Friday of the year in a 26-year span? I don't know. That's interesting. Obviously, there's not equal equal rights when it comes to dying on Friday the 13th, <laughs> you know? Um, I don't know. That's interesting. Do you think more women are superstitious than men? See, um, that, that's kind of what came to mind. And I, I'm happy you brought that up because if if we're looking at this as a possibility of intention, like you had mentioned a little bit earlier, does that mean that women could possibly be more superstitious than men and in, in inviting that? Well, obviously, we don't know. When it comes to stuff like this, it is a little bit more difficult to test. But while that is fascinating, there is this club created in 1881 called the 13 <laughs> Club. And it was created by Captain William Fowler. And pretty much about 13 men or groups of 13 men would come together every month on the 13th and deliberately try to debunk superstitions. So they would they would walk under ladders, they would spill salt, <laughs> and they would throw it over their shoulder. They would have cats, black cats, you know, walk walk past them. And what they were practically promoting with this club was if you can tell, all of my members here are very healthy and none of them have died while debunking superstitions. Therefore, my dear friend, therefore, this is not true. 
superstitions are are dumb and Friday the 13th really means nothing. That was their mentality and what they were trying to persuade to the world. And this it it, it got such attention that even Theodore Roosevelt was a part of the group. And seeing these kind of famous figures being parts of these types of clubs like that, I, I kind of can't help but smile thinking that sometimes we forget that these heroic figures or these celebrities are, are people as well. And they right. have their own interests and their own curiosities. And superstitions, right? It's so interesting. It would be interesting to ask every famous person or every hero that we've thought of, we've looked up to, like, what are your superstitions? Like, what weird superstitions do you believe or do you not believe at all? Well, then I have to ask you that question. What superstitions <laughs> do you believe in and do you not believe in? And also for the live chat, please answer that question as well. What superstitions do you believe in and which ones do you think is just absolute nonsense? I cannot think of any that I follow. I, I can't. I... I, I, the most of superstitions, you know, I feel like I go against them, maybe just to not be afraid of them. Mm -hmm. As a little girl, they tell you all these things. And, yeah. you know, um, the one I used to do, which I haven't done in like, I can't remember, was driving by a cemetery and you do the sign of the cross. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yes. I don't do that anymore. Um, I will tell you, I don't, if I go into a graveyard, I feel compelled to leave dimes to honor the graveyard goddess. So I think that's kind of a weird superstition. Um, like I won't go unless I have enough dimes. And it's usually like some different that's things cute. will say that it's usually 13 dimes or um, 11 dimes. Like you'll read a different numbers, but it's always an odd number I've noticed. And you're supposed to leave these dimes in an offering if you're gonna go do, um, I mean, some people go collect graveyard dirt for their magic workings, which I haven't, but I go I've like even that. to go visit people, like we would bring something and leave it even before the dime thing that I learned about. So, but I, I think that's it. I don't have any other ones. For, for me talking about graveyards, I don't like stepping over people's graves. Not because I have a superstition yeah. about it. I just find it really disrespectful in, 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 in my mind. Or you don't walk on like the top, like where their head would be. Like that's another thing. Like, yeah, also that. And then I also deliberately enjoy walking over cracks in the sidewalk. <laughs> I don't like yeah. stepping on them, but th that's just kind of more of, of a fun thing and, and yeah. kind of leading back to memories of my childhood. My boys pretend it's, it's like, lava. They're like, the cracks are lava. So <laughs> the, That's the best part. And yeah. Jonaside says, no hats on the bed. Seriously believe. I've, I've heard of ah. that, but I don't really get what happens if you put your hat on a bed. And I do that pretty often. Yeah. Walker. Thank you so much. It says, love your work, ladies. Curious George says, walking under a ladder. Yeah, I don't like walking under ladders just because, like, what if? I mean, what if it's like, I don't know, it, it falls and it hits you in the head. I like paint's going to fall on me or something. I don't know. <laughs> I guess the ladders don't seem very sturdy for as big as some of those are. Like, I just think it's smart to not walk under them. Not out of superstition, but they seem pretty flimsy. Like anytime somebody's on a yeah. big ladder, I'm afraid for them. <laughs> like, what are you doing up there? Yeah, that that's how I feel. And I don't know, just ladders and me, I don't really like climbing them if I don't have to. Manda says, only take dirt from a graveyard if you know the grave you're taking from. Graveyard dirt is supposed to connect you to your ancestors or dead friends. 
There is some exceptions to that, depending on your magical practice. If um, you can go and you can ask which spirits are okay for you to take their graveyard dirt. For example, I'm in Kentucky. My ancestors are in my bloodline ancestors are in Arizona. So if I'm looking for um, like a certain type of graveyard dirt, like for ancestral connection, I might go to another place and ask the spirits there, make my offering, of course, ask the spirits there. And you kind of do a communication with the spirit asking, can I have some graveyard dirt? Because different graveyard dirts from different people do different things. So it depends on your magical practice. But originally, yes, that's good. Like, you know, if you're just starting to collect graveyard dirt, um, that's a good rule of thumb. Yeah, that's interesting. I mean, I'm not familiar with that, but I'll, I'll keep that in mind if I yeah, ever need to Yeah, that's some mediumship it. stuff too. So if you're not a medium and you're just trying to like get some graveyard dirt for ancestral purposes, maybe, you know, stick to the rule that she said. But if you are into mediumship and spirit communication, then you can always talk to the spirits that are there. Well, Stink says, if you sneeze a lot in quick succession, someone's talking about you. Oh, I've man. heard that, but I don't really believe that one. Also, I don't sneeze that much. <laughs> I have allergies, so um, <laughs> there would be like 20 minutes of like sneezing. I'm like, is this my life forever now? <laughs> well, this but if I, I didn't, I never heard that one, but that's interesting. I'm going to be like looking at everybody like, are you talking about me? <laughs> are you? Or like kind of like when your ears tingle, someone's talking about you as well. I have heard yeah. that one. But going back to the number 13, well, in, in the West, we celebrate what well, we don't celebrate, but we think that Friday the 13th is like this ominous day. Other countries kind of have different beliefs on that. For instance, in Spain and in Greece, it's actually Tuesday the 13th. So in Spain and Spanish-speaking countries, it's Tuesday the 13th that just really gets people wound up. Martes, Tuesday in Spanish, comes from the Roman god of war, Mars, forever tying the day to violence, death, and bloodshed. So I, and then it goes into a little bit more detail of the history on things that have happened on Tuesday the 13th, dealing to bloodshed and even being taken over by the Ottoman Empire. But it's it's these little things. And then also in China, it's actually only once a year, and that's April 4th, because the number four, si, sounds a lot like the word death or to die, oh, which wow. is si. So like they sound very similar, but the, the uh, diction is a little bit different. And apparently it's the same in Japan. So when you're dealing with April 4th, right, 4-4, it's the unluckiest day of the year. Additionally, many hotels in China do not have a fourth floor in hotels, the same way how here in the West, we don't have the floor 13. That is so, and that's another thing I read that I, when you, when I was reading the article, I was like, wow, and floor 14 on the elevator is actually floor 13, but you won't speak of 13 while you're in an elevator. Exactly. Elevators are kind of weird, especially if they're old. So um, I don't know. That's very interesting that architects have taken that into account, too, and people that have designed elevators. Yeah, and it, I guess in some instances, it can be a little bit confusing. GH says, don't have mirrors facing the bed. It allows oh. spirits in whist. Do you, you well, sleep? Yeah, that's well, actually one. No, is that a superstition? I do that. Like, I close I the door if there's a mirror. I don't have mirrors on the wall. Um 
in my bedroom, like one's in the closet and one's in the bathroom. Like I won't have a mirror in the room because because of that. So I guess that is a superstition that I forgot about. And in in the Jewish tradition, when someone passes away that you know, they actually flip all the mirrors towards oh. facing the wall so that the spirit can't enter again in, in, into this realm. And uh, I had a really good friend um, who was Jewish in my youth, and she would do things like that because of her of her family tradition. And I'm thinking, that's pretty cool. I can dig that. Yeah. Well, I've known people that buy antique mirrors, two people. It's not like I know a ton of people, but they brought this mirror in and crazy things started happening. They hung it on the wall behind them while they were sleeping. And we had to walk through some cleansing and what to do with the mirror if you were going to keep it. And I've heard other people have the same thing happen. So um, mirrors are interesting. They are. And one more thing that I would like to mention before we continue is Donald Daisy, the founder of the Stress Management Center and Phobia Institute, says the world's um, economy apparently loses about $900 million because people are scared to work and travel on Friday the 13th. So I need to ask you and people in the live chat, did you avoid going out today? No. I didn't go out. You know, I did it in the beginning. I did the the hike thing with my husband and about died. So I did stay home after that, but not because of Friday the 13th. And it was very lucky for me because he got the day off and he took the kids out like for half the day. So as an introvert, I was just in a quiet house. But I mean, like if he was going to stay, if he wanted to stay home with them, I would have gone out and done stuff. Well, see, that that just goes to show that you don't have to worry about these things for most people, unless you're part of that 53% of, you know, being woman and dying probably on the road. Right. And we need to bring back the 13 Club and (laughs) allow some females in. (laughs) Heck yeah. But now I need to ask, uh, I haven't seen anyone in the live chat answer that question just yet. I did because it's too hot. All right. All right. LOL. I went to work and back. I mean, is that really considered going out when you're going to work? <laughs> Someone said I should buy a lottery ticket. Hey, go for it. You never know when you'll be lucky. Maybe today's because a lucky if, day. Yeah, maybe if nobody's buying them because they think it's unlucky today. Genius. And throw the number 13 in. Ooh. That that <laughs> if you're feeling spicy. <laughs> okay. Well, now if John wins, he's gonna have to split it with you because you gave him that idea. As humans, we're naturally driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search. Match. With Indeed, when I was looking to hire someone, it was so slow and overwhelming. I wish I had used Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform, with over 350 million global monthly visitors according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. That's Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply. Step into the world of power, loyalty, 
and luck. I'm gonna make him an offer he can't refuse. With family, cannolis, and spins mean everything. Now, you wanna get mixed up in the family business. Introducing The Godfather at ChompaCasino.com. Test your luck in the shadowy world of The Godfather slot. Someday, I will call upon you to do a service for me. Play The Godfather, now at ChampaCasino.com. Welcome to the family. VGW Group, no purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. See terms and conditions, 18 plus. Okay, let me pull up you the You can just next. buy me some coffee creamer because I'm out if he wins. <laughs> oh, my favorite coffee creamer, I know this is like off topic, but it's actually the caramel macchiato from Starbucks. Yes, yes, you can one. get a giant one at Sam's Club. Right. Oh, actually, I don't have a card. But anyways, so into our next article and one that I've briefly touched on for when I was covering news for shifting the paradigm at the very intro before my interviews was that the Event Horizon Telescope took another picture of a black hole. But this specific black hole is Sagittarius A, which is the black hole at the center of the Milky Way. Previously, believing there was a black hole in the center of the Milky Way was more theoretical. It was what people believed based off of the mathematics. Now there is finally proof to say there really is one. What's really important to mention about the Event Horizon Telescope is that this organization which is a network of eight radio telescopes spanning from locations from Antarctica to Spain and Chile, was that these this organization was the very first to get an image of a black hole in 2019 in the galaxy called Messer 87, which apparently is the biggest black hole in the universe. So this is, I mean, this is absolutely fascinating. I, I'm not super knowledgeable on black holes when it comes to all the scientific aspects of it but i do find them absolutely fascinating they are just super cool and it does go into detail a little bit more and we're gonna hit on that but priscilla right off the bat what's the first thing that comes to mind when you think of black holes um obviously the spaghettification term because that's just fun to think about um <laughs> just the fact that they are so dense. The event horizon itself, how time changes. And seeing this, I'm like, does this have anything to do with the way our galaxy is shaped, the way things are flowing, you know, um, or expanding, but still in, you know, in its spiral shape. So those were kind of like my first thoughts when I was reading this. It is really cool. And I'm going to show another picture of the two different black holes. The one which is Sagittarius A, and the other one being M87. So let's pull that up. And while these look incredibly similar, apparently by the researchers and astrophysicists, they could not be more different. And the reason to that is, and I'm going to read it to you verbatim, it practically states that when you're looking at Sagittarius A, which is this one right here, it's almost as if it's only consuming uh, a grain of rice every million years compared to M87, which is like this monstrosity just eating absolutely everything. So while these two pictures look pretty similar, they are 
vastly different. And I'm I'm happy that our black hole is a lot more chill because I don't think that the Milky Way would last yes. another another moment if it was like M87. That's insane. And it makes you wonder if, you know, if we were trying to be like a form, if our civilization and our planetary system were forming around the M87, we wouldn't have, we would not have time to advance how we have. Um, and then also, is that something that is allowing the planets in our galaxy to make these like a, you know, Goldilocks planets or planets that aren't going to get devoured by a hungry black hole when ours is kind of, you know, a, uh, like fast or something is a picky eater. <laughs> hey, hey, I'm I'm okay with that. There, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> there is one professor that is mentioned in the article by the name of Sarah Markoff. He's an astrophysicist at the University of Amsterdam and a co-chair of the EHT Science Council. And he said, the Milky Way's black hole was our main target. It's been a 100-year search for these things. And so scientifically, this picture is a big deal. And then you also have Dr. Zuri Yunsi, a member, also a member, and he's a part of the University College of London, said, I'm personally happy about the fact that it really drills home to the fact that there is definitely a black hole at the center of our galaxy. And he couldn't be more right. This, this really is so exciting. And that leads me to another question of why, in your opinion, for you, Priscilla, and those in the live chat, why is it important to know about space, our galaxy, and our universe? I think it's an important thing to learn about because it helps us understand kind of like how our universe is formed when we learn about stuff in the universe. It also is going to help us for people like years and years from now that are hopefully doing space travel. If you're not curious about the universe and not learning about it, you wouldn't want to explore it either. So. Um, it's also just really fascinating that we can take these pictures from so far away. And I even watched a documentary about the M87 picture. And when they were doing, they were combining the images to make that picture, how much of a uh, ordeal it was to, to fit the pieces together from these different images that the telescopes were taking. So um, a lot of work goes into a simple picture like that. Exactly. And, and the mapping of the motion of stars in orbit around the central supermassive black hole indicated an object of huge gravitational influence. And the photo is, is just a photo, it, but it, it spins and our galaxy spins along with the same plane. And to answer my own question is, the universe, exploring the universe, knowing the universe, it is our future if we do not destroy ourselves. Our new home is going to be out there, the unknown. And that's why it's so important, in my opinion, to be curious about these things. If we didn't have previous explorers interested in the new world, we wouldn't be living here right now. We, we wouldn't have the advancements that we have today if people weren't curious. We would still be living as hunter, hunter and gatherers. And even then, we'd probably be scared of trying the new foods. 
Like, is this very good? Is this one poisonous? It's because we have that curiosity that we're able to evolve the way that we have. But also, if we look at small children, and, and I come to this example a lot, is in child psychology, there are stages of the child brain and also how they act. And Jean Piaget, who is a child psychologist, stated at the age of like three or four, they're not they're not called babies anymore, but they're called little scientists. They take things apart and they try to Love understand it. how it works. So true. It's true. Like watching kids grow through that age. Like they notice the moon in the sky. Like just yesterday, my son's like, notice the moon in the sky. And he's just turned three. And he's, I see the moon, mama. I want to touch it, but I'm going to need a rocket ship. I'm like, like they're just Absolutely. so like the way they think is just so fascinating because they're testing. You're right. They're te they break things, take it apart. They try to take it apart and fix it. Um, they're really studying their environment. It is. It, and that's so true. And we need to maintain that curiosity so that we're able to explore the stars and and even past our galaxy. But, you know, we, we can't get out there yet. And, and I kind of make up for that sensation of wanting to go out by playing Elite Dangerous and exploring oh, I saw that star, game. <laughs> star systems and, and discovering new planets. And so my mind really envies those explorers of the future, who's, you know, th those first pioneers to other star systems. I'm, I'm so, so envious. <laughs> yeah, I see the game that you're playing. Now for me, like I played Mass Effect, which is a little bit... I don't know how like how they compare because I haven't played the Elite game, but Mass Effect was similar and I played it for every gaming console and the computer. And you are a space commander. You have a spaceship. You get to explore space. So when I saw you post that game, I was like, oh, my gosh, I need to get that because the Mass Effect, I'm over it. it. Yeah, oh, it looks so really good. cool. It's so realistic too, especially how you have to fly around planets as well. That gravitational pull you you need right. to you need to consider all those things. So I need to ask people that are watching this or listening to this when it's not live: Do you play Elite Dangerous? And if you don't, the answer is you need to get it. It's and you said you're a little jealous of the people doing it. You know how many times I look around and I'm like, I was supposed to be working on a spaceship right now. Like, come on, you guys, like when I was a little girl and I, I was like, I'm going to work on a spaceship, like, like you know, Star Trek or some one of those, you know? So um, we need to step it up for the future kids so they can work on spaceships. Yeah, we do. And Hides is so funny. It says, is this the first time Christina's gas is in space and Christina isn't? Yeah, well, oh. I had to stock up on my ramen. So I'm like still keeping stuff and putting it in a box to get ready to go back into my spaceship. Yeah. <laughs> she's refueling <laughs> with ramen of course mm -hmm. of course oh my gosh go, we need to have an episode on ramen because oh look a whole cooking show i i want to get like a little like tiny bunsen burner and then just do, do cooking from right here because my kitchen is like it's gross i'm gonna but start sending you anime ramen and you gotta recreate it on your little burner <laughs> don't don't tempt me priscilla don't do it <laughs> i will i will it's not even a hesitation. But before we continue to our next article, I got to ask, do you, and for this is also for the live chat, do you believe in white holes? It is completely theoretical, but what white holes are, it's that if you enter a black hole, right, you're able to come out on the other end, either in, in a different uh, location or a different 
realm. And uh, this was this was originally thought out by Albert Einstein, and and it's very very theoretical, but. Do you think that's possible? And then do you think that maybe white holes and portals uh, are two entirely different anomalies with no similar properties or could they be one and the same? I, I, there's the part of me that really wants that to be true because that would explain so many things as far as how we're seeing um, these, you know, UFOs coming through um, the Trevor, but I, I understand that by definition they're different, right? A white hole versus like a traversable wormhole. Right, exactly. Um, So, but I would like to think that we can go through a black hole and just pop out on the other side and be somewhere else. But that might just be like the romantic in me, you know, the romantic space explorer. Like I'm going to pop it. I'm going to, I'm going to spaghettify and I'm going to pop back together on the other side. (laughs) Or maybe not. Maybe there's just a whole bowl of ramen human sentient beings on the other side. That does. I don't want to be a cannibal, but now it's like I mean ramen. But you know, white holes. Um, white holes would be because of all of the the light. All of the photons would be pulsing from from an from an endpoint. Maybe I mean, would a white hole create another universe like a like a Big Bang? So these are all cool things to muse about, and it kind of leads into my question a little bit earlier why is it important to learn about space our galaxy and our universe it's it's to really feed in that curiosity and then to also grow that imagination as adults sometimes we forget how to imagine sometimes we think that life is just black and white go to work come home eat watch tv go to bed go to work and it's like this this horrible vicious cycle but it's all due to our own mentality yes many people have to work in a a cubicle from nine to five but how they spend their time before and after is totally up to them and maybe they can still play music in that cubicle really get those vibes going for them or listening to podcasts like ours and and really be inspired that's why we have these conversations, Priscilla, is not only to inspire ourselves, but to inspire everyone. Absolutely. And we got to keep other people. Not everybody wants to, to um, talk publicly about this stuff. So they like to listen to it. You know what I mean? And oh, the curiosity yeah. is what drives everything. And even though a lot of people aren't wanting to talk about it as much publicly, it's getting a lot more public attention which is really exciting. We're going to have our very, well, not our very first, but um, a, a public UFO hearing on May 17th. That's insane. And I am looking forward to it. Ronan, thank you so much. Hopefully everyone is so far enjoying this weekly news covering all this fun stuff. And I'm so blessed to have Priscilla join me today. And this article that we're about to cover i mean it it blew up in in our community not this one particularly written by the debrief but the one written by the new york times i uh, could not be more excited i could not be more thrilled that we're having a uap hearing in just a few days priscilla when you first heard about this what was the first thing that came to mind I kind of got that feeling in my stomach. Like, you know, when you get like surprised and you get that, like that fluttering. Yes. Because 
there's so many mixed feelings about it as well. Do you know what I mean? Um, re reminding myself and others that this is just one stepping stone um, to the bigger picture and keeping an eye on that is very important for us, I think, not to put too much into what's going to happen, just to, but put more into the fact that it is progress. We're inching along towards learning more about what people know in the government about UAP. So I'm very excited about it. And, and honestly, like when I see stuff, when the, the I've had so many like teary eyed moments, just when stuff like this is happening, <laughs> because it's insane to think about like these little babies being born today or this week, little babies are going to grow up with UAP being a reality versus when I was little, it was a joke or it was sci-fi. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, I do. So this is just one more step towards that. And I, I'm very excited to be alive during this time because of it. Absolutely. And for those that are interested, it will be Tuesday, May 17th at 10 a.m. Eastern Time. And it says here, the UAP hearing is intended to focus on the work of a group within the Pentagon that is following up on the national security and flight safety questions. So one person, um, actually, hold on, let me, let me fix that first. So here's, here's the thing. Also, when these hearings happen, it'll get mainstream news coverage. And people seeing this on TV are going to be like, whoa, for real? <laughs> and and I, they want to find out more. And so, and then when... And then they're 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 going to do YouTube searches and Google searches and also on Twitter. And this is why I believe that we play such a big part in all of this an emergence of knowledge so that all of us podcasting about these topics fill in the gaps where the mainstream media falls short. And I feel like people such as ourselves are instrumental in this new paradigm to give people that foundation that don't know anything about the topic, but that want to get interested in it. So I feel like in the sense we're you and me, Priscilla, we're, we're on the front lines when it comes to the UFO topic. And we're so lucky to be able to share our limited knowledge to the world for those that have the same interest as we do. And hopefully after this hearing, it'll be even more mainstream than it could have ever been. So that's kind of what I first felt when I heard about these hearings it was just pure excitement just like finally we're we're getting somewhere and it's going to get that mainstream coverage just like how the uap preliminary report in june did but hopefully this one will last a little bit longer than just a few months with with um, the mainstream media covering it every single day yes so i i could not be more happy and and now what what these hearings are going to hold what they're really going to provide we simply don't know that yet but i think it's it's one of the first steps forward yes um i was listening to um witness citizens guest earlier katie howland and she's 
got all these connections on the Hill and she knows a lot about what happens behind the scenes with, you know, um, different politicians and stuff. And she gave some advice and I thought it was great for us to listen to the questions that people are asking versus the answers, because the questions being asked have a lot of clues um, because they've seen all this declassified stuff. So what they're asking is actually more key than what they're going to tell us, if that makes any sense. And I thought when she said that, I was like, that's some really good advice because they're not going to flat out like admit anything the first time. Most, you know, I'm, I don't know for a fact, but I can, we kind of know for a fact. <laughs> so, but just the questions like, why did this person ask that question? What did they see that made them curious? Exactly. About these, um, about that. So questions. I just wanted to share that. What she, when she said that, I was like, that's, I didn't think of that before. Yeah. Questions are crucial. It's very important. First off, how you ask a question. Using certain key words can prompt the person answering that to answer it in a very specific way. So questions are crucial. And sometimes there is a difference between a right question and a wrong question. Again, just depending on how it's formulated. Jason says, correct. These podcasts are instrumental in progress. For those listening what were your first thoughts when you heard about there was going to be a UAP hearing? And again, it's just in a few days. What, five, four days? That is, yeah. I, I, I'm just, I, I'm like, if, if I wasn't wearing foundation, I'd be like all red. I'm just like blushing with excitement. Yeah, it's it's exciting. It's really, it really is. It is. So let's kind of dive into that article. So Representative Adam Schiff, he is the Democratic representative of California, told the debrief this week that the hearing is um, to be held by the Subcommittee on Counterterrorism, Counterintelligence of the House Permanent Select Committee on Intelligence will focus on the Pentagon's Airborne Object Identification and Management Synchronization Group better known as AOIMSG, and quoted in a statement provided by his office to the debrief said there is still much to learn about unidentified aerial phenomena and the potential risks they may pose to our national security. So this is one question that kind of roams around the ufo community you have those that you have those that ask is it is it worth saying that uap are a threat or should we consider them as friendly i want you to think about that question i want the live chat to think about that question because we're coming towards a break and we'll be right back after this Hi, I'm Micah Hanks, and let me tell you something. I support Christina Gomez as a Patreon subscriber, and here's why you should too. She brings all of her unique insights to a whole new generation, and all while she's also going through college. Listen, support Christina, become a Patreon subscriber today. You won't regret it. Hey there, it's Christina. Do you know you can get access to an exclusive extra segment of additional questions and answers with all of my guests, as well as behind the scene videos and photos? Ever wonder how I turn my small college dorm apartment into a studio where I can shoot new videos or set up lighting and backdrops for my show or what camera I use? 
Yep, that video is there too, where I explain as I go along and also give the story of how I learned to do special video effects and editing. You can get access to all of that and much more by joining my Patreon supporters club. You'll be helping by supporting this channel, my research, and production costs, as well as investing in new shows coming soon. Starting from as little as $5 a month, there are several tiers you can choose from that suit your budget, and each tier carries extra perks and benefits. Join my Patreon club and become a supporter today. Hey, wonderful listener, this is Christina. If you love these podcasts, please make sure to rate each episode, leave a review, and subscribe on the app or platform you listen in on and share with others. It really is a great way to support my work and helps so much. Also, if you want to watch the video of the show, the link to my YouTube channel is below. As humans, we're naturally driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search. Match. With Indeed, when I was looking to hire someone, it was so slow and overwhelming. I wish I had used Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform, with over 350 million global monthly visitors according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. That's Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply. Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Okay. Round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire. Huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. ChumbaCasino.com has over 100 casino style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. So did that give you enough time to think about an answer? Yep. It did. And, you know, I think about this a lot because I see so many people concerned about it and talking about it. Do you know what I mean? Yes. Um, when Lou first came out and started talking about, you know, how they we don't know if they kind of propose a threat. Um and he's kind of saying like his analogy to it, if we don't know what it is, it's in our airspace, it's technically a threat, but it's not trying to like hurt. There's a difference with intent versus something being a threat. Um, I think it's important for us to look at that because we are still here on this planet, people. We're still in countries that need protection. And if there are other beings, how do we not know that there's duality like there are with us? 
you know, nice guys, bad guys, good guy, bad guy, that kind of stuff. So a lot of people got mad when, you know, like Lou and Chris are talking about national security, but you have to think about it because they're saying, oh, well, they're pushing a threat narrative. Oh my gosh. And, you know, and all the people that have had these lovely ET experiences or UFO experiences get kind of up in arms about it because they're, it's kind of destroying the, the picture of love and light that so many people create with it. You know, the universe is full of different types of beings. And I mean, I don't know that for sure, but if it is, they might have personalities like us. Some might be cool. Some might be jerks. And so we have to take that into account. Things are coming into close proximity of these planes that our military are flying and even civilian planes, and it's going to worry people. We have to know what it is, and it, it technically is a threat because we don't know what it is, and it's popping in and out of our airspace. So I think that people need to remember also that this is going to get more people on board and paying attention to the reality of UAP, and it's not maybe like the most peaceful way to go about it or the ideal way for some people to say that they're a threat, but at the same time, it's putting eyes on it. And if they're not a threat, these people will see for themselves that, hey, like they assess the threat and it's not there or vice versa. We don't know yet. That is a key point. If you classify it as a threat, you are getting more eyes on it. You're going to get more funding for it and you're going to have more people with power to take a look at it. If you just assume, oh, they're all friendly. No, nah, they're not going to bother us. There's not going to be any research done. No one's going to take a step forward and be like, well, there's nothing to research. Everything is fine. But if you classify it as a potential threat, not as a threat, but as a potential threat, it's a different ballgame altogether. Now you're getting funders, you're getting researchers, you're getting a more serious attention on it of trying to decipher what it could possibly be. Now in 10 years time, 20 years time, 50 years time, Will that concept change of what if they find the answer and if it is a threat? Or what if they find the answer and it isn't a threat? What's the next step after that? Oh, that that's my question. And and hopefully through these UAP hearings in time, hopefully they can answer that question. What is the next step? And Bim Jim says the military are only doing their job and that should be understood. I completely agree with you. The military mindset is very different from civilian mindset. And Priscilla, like you had mentioned at the very beginning, your husband is part of the military. So from your own personal experience, because I am assuming that you and your husband have different mentalities on things. What's the difference between a civilian and a military official when dealing with something that is classified as a threat? Well, I mean, obviously, the military person is going to do, they're going to obey most times. There's the outlier guys that are like going to whistle blow, break their NDAs and all that stuff. But as a military person, it's they're going to treat it as another mission. If the mission is to keep your mouth closed, they're going to keep their mouth closed. Do you know what I mean? Um, and I remember like people, it just like the way they think is differently. You have to think about like, they're all about duty first in most cases, even if they don't like what they're doing. So we have to remember that, um, that we can't expect anybody to just tell us everything because we want to know these people 
are put in positions where they they can go to jail if they say something. And it could be something simple, like a low-key mission. So something small. So can you imagine something like this, like a big secret, and there's a military person and just spills the beans and leaks all these crazy, you know, um, classified videos, and it has some sort of technology in it that's connected to us and other countries get it. And, you know, there is just we had to learn to see things from other perspectives. Trust me, I want to know. Like, like uh, UFOs have changed my life. I've been a weirdo ever since, you know. And um, I, some of us, yes, of course, I want to know everything. But I would never ask somebody to sacrifice their life and their career to do that. Um, and so many already are, if you think about it. This this is true. There, there is that sense of, of duty. And regardless of if you like it or not for these military personnel, they're simply doing what they're told. And for this hearing that is happening on Tuesday, the purpose for it is to give the public an opportunity to hear directly from subject matter experts and leaders in the intelligence community on one of the greatest mysteries of our time and to break the cycle of excessive secrecy and speculation with truth and transparency. But, you know, this isn't the first UFO hearing. The first one actually occurred in 1966. And a quote from the memo issued from the office of then House Minority Leader Gerald R. Ford uh, responds to a rash of reported sightings of unidentified flying objects that were reportedly occurring in Michigan and other states around the time. In light of these new sightings and incidents, it would be a very wholesome thing for a committee of the Congress to conduct a number of hearings and to call responsible witnesses from the executive branch of the government and witnesses who say they have cited these objects. 1966 was during the time of Project Blue Book, which was terminated in 1969. So you're having this time period, the late 1950s into the 1960s, of people are really talking about this, talking about their own UFO sightings, hearing stories about it, reading it in the newspaper. So there was this interest in it during this time period. And it's very unfortunate that the UAP hearings did not continue after that very first one, where it was just kind of really just saying, hey, we need to have these, but it never pushed forward. So here we are in 2022, and it's just now coming up again. So while I guess in some respects we could have slid back during from 66 into present day, we're finally coming back forward. So Overall, like I said a little bit earlier, I could not be more excited for these hearings. Absolutely. I agree with that. Um, we are in some very, we're at a crossroads with a lot of things, you know, not just this. Um, so, you know, we have the, the women's rights type of thing, you know, the Roe versus Wade thing. We have all these wars happening that have been going on for years. We, like, I know a lot of people say, well, you're not, you're focusing on the wrong thing. Well, everybody has their role. And for people in this community, our role is to pay attention to stuff like this. Whether you believe in the government or not, 
it's still going to open up the conversation to people in the world in like at the dinner table, as people say. Yeah, yeah. At the absolutely. office. Um, I have a neighbor. Like he used to laugh at me and like totally act like a jock and make fun of me. But I started sending him these articles. And he's like, hey, you know, like give me some more resources. So he's this is somebody I never thought would pay attention. It so feels- it's little by little, guys. Like you don't have to agree with how it's happening. I don't personally think we're going to know in this lifetime everything. But all that matters to me is that we are starting to lay road for future generations because this is important. Space travel is important. And it's also important to know what's out in space if we're going to be traveling out there. That's just one reason. Yes, ma'am. So that leads me to a question of, and for those in the live chat as well, what do you want to see with the AOI MSG? Do you think we will see progress with the UFO conversation or already are we already seeing that progress on the path to transparency? Or do you think a few more decades awaits us to get serious coverage and answers? I think that it's going to, I don't think it's going to be decades, but I don't see it happening within this first round, this first period of time that they've set for reports and everything um, that they, you know, that just got passed. So I think that we have our foot in the door and we have to keep it in the door. We have to pay, we have to keep paying attention because I think what kind of happened, you know, with the blue, with the last hearings was we accepted what they said. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, the people did and said we weren't around, obviously, um, some of us, most of us, I don't know. <laughs> so we can't let that happen again. So they're, if they're just doing this, like kind of, you know, um, I don't know how to put it, like these reports that aren't as good as, you know, we expect them to be, you have to keep rallying to make a change because your foot's in the door, guys. That's the best way to explain it is keep your foot in the door and pay attention because we cannot let it slip back into secrecy how it happened, you know, with the last hearings. And I, I see people being a lot more driven now. There's more people on board now. There's there's more scientists involved, and that gives people a lot of comfort. You know, we, we have Galileo Project. We have Gary Nolan talking about biological effects, yeah. which is, you know, some people are like, oh, more threat narrative. No, it's real. Like, Nobody's saying they're trying to do this to us on purpose, but it's a real thing that's happening. So let's acknowledge that. We just have to keep pushing forward. We can't let them give us a report that is okay or just skimming the surface and then let them go back into hiding. So I don't think we're going to have to wait a decade for bigger things to come, but I don't see it happening within this first, you know, when, when did, um, the first thing that they set aside the first couple of years. Uh, hopefully that that's the case. I mean, I'm, I'm, truly not sure how this is going to progress but esmeralda says just the fact that it is being addressed is progress and i like the optimism i have to agree with you on that one it's 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 those baby steps that can take us forward and let's say this hearing does really well okay how often would you like to have hearings and would you watch all of them? I think I would if I could. Like, for example, I'm going to miss part of it for the, the first hearing because I have kids' doctor's appointments, but I will be watching them. And I'm going to try and watch whenever I can the ones that I can and if not, watch them later because if I'm promoting this to end stigma and secrecy, 
it's kind of like my job to pay attention so I can tell people that don't have time to pay attention. Do you know what I mean? We, we have to watch it so we can report it. And also, I, I want to be able to tell my kids about it, you know? And, and they need to know. They're going to be here watching it with me because they might not be paying attention, but maybe it'll be like, you know, it's it, – This they is should historical. Be you know, everybody should be involved in it, whether you think it's BS or not, whether you think it's going to let you down or not. You know, you just have to – I think that I will watch them because it's kind of my job. And we're making history right now. This whole thing with Congress and the Pentagon slowly speaking out about it, having these reports, creating a UFO office, later turned into AOIMSG. These are historical moments that we're living in, but we're not going to understand that weight until 10, 20 years time or if we catch it in our great grandkids' history books. Then we'll be like, back in my day, I was an advocate for this. So, but, 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 but right now we're living it in the moment. So we, we just don't see that yet. As humans, we're naturally driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. When I was looking to hire someone, it was so slow and overwhelming. I wish I had used Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. That's Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply. With Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, We've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Study of UAPs says he wants hearings every single week. Hey, look, <laughs> if, if we can get that many witnesses every single week, I'm down. I'll watch and there it. probably is. If we're watching, if people are watching Kardashians once a week, you should be able to watch some sort of hearing once a week of your choice. There's a lot of hearings happening all the time, but you know, for us, we want to watch these. Um, but I think anything we're going to get, honestly, is more than we've gotten in the past. So we just got to keep it going. So when this period ends, they're saying like, you have to do it for this many years. We have to keep refreshing that. That way they're not like, okay, we did it. And then like, yeah, do you know what I mean? It's like you do a chore, but you don't do it the best that you could. And so we're just going to have to keep reminding them like you didn't finish. Like, you're not done yet. Excuse me. <laughs> what do you think you're doing? Bare minimum is not going to cut it when it comes to this sort of thing. No. And, and now that there's a bunch more eyes on this topic in this community, it's going to be a lot more difficult for our government officials to slack off. And that was the big reason for the big phone home. 
created by Luis Jimenez. It was really to go ahead and contact our representatives so that they couldn't have an excuse for not covering this huge topic. Yes, I, I love his work. Like, um, I remember when I first found out about the UFO community, it was right before the phone home. So I was like, what is going on? This is awesome. Like, <laughs> I just had to email people and call them and be annoying. And <laughs> hopefully they listen. <laughs> Seriously. Let's get into our next article. And that is scientists grow plants in the soil from the moon. This one is written by Science Daily. I personally love this website. I've been using it since the seventh grade. I had to write papers. And I, it's an short source and too. sweet. You can use yeah, them. <laughs> it's, it's usually written by very credible people or universities. And for those that don't know about it, please take a look at this website. And they even cite their sources on the bottom as well. So you can't, you can't go wrong with this. In this one and i'm gonna i'm gonna share a picture with you to make it a little more interesting for our audience oops where they we have multiple scientists who got soil from the moon and attempted to grow plants with it oh my it. goodness look at it is this a real picture this is the real picture yes i missed this was it in the article no or did you guys okay. article I, I had to, i had to find it separately oh my gosh look at it Sorry, so, I'm like a plant person, so. I know, and I love your plants. Like, I'm so jealous. <laughs> I, I don't have enough sunlight in my place to grow plants. And I had a basil plant once. Oh. It lasted like two weeks. It was disappointing. Um. <laughs> but There's ways around it, but I don't know if you want to set up like a whole greenhouse. Anyways, the no, plant grew you. in moon soil, yeah? Is right. that what's going on here? <laughs> this, is, this is a big deal. This is a really, really big deal. And it is, it is a the push for the Artemis program, right? Getting people on the moon to colonize the moon, to live on the moon. Okay. It's like, that's like the Artemis is not that intense, but it, it, it's, it's the stepping stone to that. So in a new paper published in the journal communications biology, university of Florida researchers showed that plants can successfully sprout and grow in lunar soil. Their study also investigated how plants respond biologically to the moon's soil, also known as lunar regolith. And for those who don't know what regolith means, it is the layer of loose rock, dust, sand, and soil resting on bedrock. And this work is a first step towards one day growing plants for food and oxygen on the moon or during space missions. And more immediately, the research comes as part of the Artemis program, which plans to return people to the moon. And what's interesting about this particular experiment is that the scientists only had 12 grams to work with, just a few teaspoons of lunar soil uh, to do this experiment. And on loan from NASA, this soil was conducted during Apollo 11, Apollo 12, and Apollo 17 missions to the moon. And two researchers applied three times over the course of 11 years for a chance to work with the lunar regolith. So 
11 years just waiting to, to, to get the, to get the green, to get the go of saying, Hey, we can give you this soil so that you can test if plants can grow. That's amazing. I mean, nobody wants to wait that long, but it's, it's happened now. It is happening right (laughs) now. And this article was just released. This article was just released yesterday. So this is brand new. That's amazing. And it, it absolutely is. And while we are able now to grow plants on lunar soil, when in comparison to the control group, these plants are growing a lot smaller and a lot slower than the soil that we have here on Earth. So while we are making beautiful progress, which is could not be more exciting, it's just a little bit slower and a little bit smaller. But we can also consider that you're not working with a lot of soil. You're not working yeah. with a lot of space. So you are also restricting these plants from growing to their full That's potential. That's true. And well. also we can easily enrich soil with um, even organic matter. That's so right. it, they could grow more. They could. Um, and it just goes to show like how little we know. Because remember we said there's no water anywhere, but here now we're right. finding water on Mars and the moon, even if it's frozen. We can thaw water, guys. It's fine. We can we know how to distill it so we can drink it. But plants are amazing like that. They're almost like, you know, um, they'll take what they can. We've got plants that'll grow in air, succulent air plants. So it doesn't surprise me at all knowing plants, but I think it's super cool that that little guy grew in some moon soil. (laughs) And the first thing that came to mind when I was reading this was actually the movie The Martians by You read my mind. (laughs) You read my mind. I was thinking about it, but I want to be like, potatoes. (laughs) Matt Damon, potato. Right, for real. And and while this movie took place on Mars, it's the same kind of concept of you're dealing with an unknown soil and you need to grow vegetation with that unknown soil. So this this was just the first thing that came to mind. Look, he's he is growing plants, but he did end up creating a greenhouse. Yes. He did find ways to to grow just a, a bunch of vegetation, but he is working with soil that he doesn't know that hasn't really been tested before him to grow vegetation on. Luckily, we now have scientists who are working with lunar soil and have been able to prove that you really can grow with it. That's progress. And it just goes to show that every step we take forward, every single day, we are pushing for our future. And that is in space. (laughs) Sorry, some of the comments I'm laughing. (laughs) Yeah, that's, uh, that's, God, we don't know anything. We don't know anything. Every time we learn something, I mean, we're learning more, but think about all of our, oh, that's not possibles that we know about from since the beginning of our time as we know it to now. Mm-hmm. All the, oh, that's not possibles that have been proven wrong. Like, just think about more things that we're going to learn and explore in the future. Probably not me because I'm old, but other people. <laughs> so, your kids, your grandkids. Yeah, yeah. I'm trying to brainwash them to be scientists. So I got one on board so far. <laughs> yes. There you go. But it's not easy being a scientist. That's for sure. <laughs> it is no easy feat. But so far, 
the articles that we've covered for those in the live chat, does this make you excited? Does that make you excited for the future and even for the present? I mean, for for myself, if if I could explode with excitement, I, I probably would be, I would have disappeared by now. I wouldn't be here because I'm so excited with everything, with all of these bits and pieces looking at the government aspect, looking at the science aspect of it. You can't have one without the other. They really do work together. And so if we can get everyone on board, the scientists and the politicians and those people that imagine, the the scientists, right, because they have to be very creative. If we have them all on board, there is no limit to exploring space. Yeah, we just got to keep going. We just got to find ways to get around the that's not possibles. You know, it's almost like it's like, you know, you just have to think like you have to think outside of the box. I get science. I get it. I, I went to school for, you know, I was working on my bachelor of science before I had kids. So I understand it. Like I had to take class. This is how you write a paper. This is how you, this is ethical. This isn't ethical. You know what I mean? Um, stuff like that. But at the same time, like you you can still be a scientist and think outside of like the parameters of everyday science to get a big discovery because that's how most of the discoveries are made. Mm-hmm. It's those few people that want to risk putting their their credentials online and say, look, this is a possibility. And now recently we're seeing UFOs have a convergence with the paranormal phenomena. Like yes. we, we are seeing at Skinwalker Ranch. And so all of these mysteries seem to have a common denominator and advanced races out there. Surely a, a part of their development is to figure out other dimensions, other realms, the energy of the the life force, the, the soul. So Like I just said a little bit earlier, you can't have one without the other. And we call this the paranormal. We we place all these different labels on different things. But what if they're all very much the same, but it's the labels that are confusing us? What if the paranormal could just be normal to them? And we just classify it as paranormal because we just don't understand it yet. Exactly. Or we can't measure it yet or, or we don't have the right devices to measure it. We don't have ways to measure it. You just have to think of – it makes me think back to when I was working in a virology lab and we were analyzing the nucleic acids of viruses. You're not going to see a nucleic acid. You're measuring it by other means, by um, the presence or absence of certain chemicals and reagents that will be like, yep, if this reagent activates, there's um, RNA present or whatever, you know. So we have to, and that's another outside of the box thinking, like you might not ever see it with your eyes, but there might be instrumentation in the future that allows us to see it in other ways, if that makes any sense. It does. It does. Luckily, it does. So my my question for the live chat and for you, of course, would be, would you want to be one of the first groups to colonize the moon if given the opportunity? My family is not going to like that I'm going to say this, but yes. I mean, by the time they do that, I'm going to be old anyway. Just send me as the, like the token old person and I'll, I'll just <laughs> grow some potatoes and test tubes. <laughs> you, know, um, you know? Yeah, everyone in the live is talking about potatoes. You started that. I know. <laughs> Wait, bro. no. You showed Matt Damon. Wasn't he growing potatoes? Yeah, he was. Am I making that up? Okay. No, 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 no. He was. And potatoes <laughs> like, are like, delicious. 
Yeah, you you just wanted to show a picture. I took it to the next level level with the potatoes. <laughs> but yes, I would go. I mean, like if you have how could you say no if you got the opportunity? You might die a horrible death and get sucked into space, but you'll die really fast. So <laughs> this is true. This is true. You gotta you gotta take those extra steps. Yeah, I just think that how I don't know. I feel like I wouldn't have the right to say no. I don't yeah. feel like I would have it. Like in my own mind, like I could not say no. Mm, well, would you it, go? <laughs> if it came to the moon, knowing how desolate it is, I really like trees and grass and flowers and mountains and the ocean. So while I would love to explore space, I would rather have my own spaceships. I can go to planets that definitely have yeah. life on it and then like go on vacation. <laughs> oh, absolutely. I would need I would need to hire someone to take care of my plants. But See, aside that's why I'll from go that, with you. I'll go on your spaceship and I'll do the plants. <laughs> all right, I'll do the cooking. It'll that's if I don't die on the moon first, of course, right? So <laughs> as humans, we're naturally driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. When I was looking to hire someone, it was so slow and overwhelming. I wish I had used Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. That's Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply. Step into the world of power, loyalty, and luck. I'm going to make him an offer he can't refuse. With family, cannolis, and spins mean everything. Now, you want to get mixed up in the family business. Introducing... The Godfather at ChompaCasino.com. Test your luck in the shadowy world of the Godfather slot. Someday, I will call upon you to do a service for me. Play the Godfather now at ChompaCasino.com. Welcome to the family. VGW Group. No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. <laughs> well, just don't, just don't, don't even go to the moon. Just call my spaceship, and then we'll. That would be sweet. Stop at the moon as like a little like pit stop, and then you know make our way through the galaxy. <laughs> I think I find that just more just just a better plan than like being stuck on the moon and then no I have to pass. But that's on that. a stepping stone, maybe, right? It is. It definitely so, is a stepping moon stone. For and those then Mars. that have a lot of courage are able are able to to do that and they would be making history. And in this article, it really just goes to show that life can propagate anywhere, even in the locations that we least expect if we terraform it. Which makes me ask, was the Earth terraformed? We don't know this, but it, it's worth considering. Those on the live chat, what do you think? What do you think about that question? And, you know, life, life is tenacious. You know, Europa is exciting. And we, we just have all these possibilities in our solar system alone that we're able to work from after, after those moons and those planets i mean look at the the tv show the expanse it, it oh really my God. led you to those possibilities we just became best friends i'm sorry i love 
My husband's the nerd. He reads the books. Believe it or not, I haven't read the books yeah, because I'm too okay. busy reading books like Flying Saucer Fever that's real big, you know, <laughs> like from Graham, which you should get, by the way. But I, I'm, he reads The Expanse to my boys when they're sleeping. Or that's their bedtime Aww. story. They pick one of their kid books, of course. We're not completely like joyless people just trying to brainwash everybody into being scientists. But, you know, they read the, he's reading them The Expanse. And that show is so fascinating. Did you bring it up or was it one of these articles that was saying like there's these different factions? Um, I think this I wrote might be that the in next my article. notes. No, I wrote that okay, in my notes. Okay. Yeah, okay. yeah, yeah. And you read the notes. So, okay. It, so. Yeah, you, you, <laughs> Proof that I read. <laughs> but that's not, we're not doing that yet, guys. Sorry. But, but yeah, the expanse. I'm sorry. I got really excited and totally interrupted you. I'm the worst. Go ahead. The expanse. No, no, don't worry about it. <laughs> Talking about the expanses is totally fine because the next article is also about space. So it's not a big deal. But, but I, I feel like these types of TV shows, these movies, like uh, including Star Trek and Star Wars. You need to have those creative people, those those that help you write the script. And it's because of those people that we're able to have the technology that we have today. It, it's through those visionaries that we're able to have this. Absolutely. So looking at lunar soil, looking at the Martian with Matt Damon, looking at the expanse, if people don't visualize it first, we're never going to get there. That's just that's just how it is. That's, that's just how our mind works. We need to go from point A to point B to point C. We can't just jump from A to C. We, we don't work like that, at least not yet. We have to really plan it out. We need to be inspired or there just needs to be that little spark, that one question or that one video that you watch that, that takes you on this journey that you didn't expect going on, but you couldn't be happier. That's what it's all about. Absolutely. We got to think about uh, like the, the gentleman that discovered his name is slipping me, polymerase chain reaction. You know, he was having basically a hallucination and discovered how to do polymerase chain reaction, copying, you know, basically uh, genetic material over and over again through a certain process that replicated kind of like the body um, cycle mm -hmm. of the replication of DNA and RNA and all that stuff. Mm -hmm. So, but he discovered that from um, basically a trip. Do you know what I mean? Like a in his head, yeah. not like an actual trip, like flying, you know, like a like an induced trip. So we need the imagination, guys. People discount it all the time. They discount their dreams and their imagination. But how many brilliant people do you know, like that say, like this came to me in a dream or in a vision, or right. or even something simple, like well, meditate on it. If you haven't, if you're trying to figure out, like, what am I going to do about this situation? You meditate about it, and all of a sudden, something comes to you. Where mm -hmm. does it come from? You know what I mean? But it works. So who cares where it comes from? <laughs> it's just getting there. It's all that matters. Joseph asks, Christina, would you leave our star system on a one-way mission of exploration? And the quick answer is uh, yes. I feel like I was born too early and, and I want to be in that time of, of, of pioneers to the stars and strange new worlds like like from the Star Trek show, when when I watch Star Trek, like my like my heart cries a little bit of like, oh, yes, it's not fair. Technology's let us down. Stars. We're supposed to be having this conversation in space right now, floating somewhere. <laughs> no, not even floating. I would like to have some gravity in my spaceship, but <laughs> <laughs> but maybe a little bit of floating here and there would be kind of fun. <laughs> so let me bring up the next article. And it's also relating to space. I mean, this week has just been space after space after space 
article. And this one says, Canada takes a bite out of the moon. (laughs) And this is from Ripley's Believe It or Not. And let me tell you, I was that kid. Yes, I was that kid that would (laughs) go to the library and collect all of the Ripley's books and read them. It was very cool during my time as an Mm -hmm. elementary school that I could never find them because they were always checked out by other kids. But I love Ripley's like with all my heart. and And I forgot about it. Until I came across the article and I'm like, oh my gosh, Ripley's is the best. It's very cool. And they're still doing cool things today, like their website. I love how when I love a company like that that can grow with technology and still be relevant like Ripley's because honestly, like not a lot of people are looking at books, which is sad. But it's also nice that it's it's there to them like the next day. Do you know what I mean? Like automatic access to cool stuff like this. Oh, yeah. Aditya has a question and it says, do you think a silicon-based life is possible or it already might exist somewhere? And would it be more or less robust than carbon-based life? So do you want to answer that one first or should I answer that one first? You can go first. Okay, so I think, yes, you know, silicon based like the um, Horta in the old original Star Trek series or intelligent life not based on carbon. I mean, why not? Life, my, my mind is so open to those possibilities and I want to know. I want to know if that is possible. So, Aditya, I think that's a really great question. Priscilla, what do you think? I absolutely think that if you look into this theory with silicon being able to replace carbon to create life, I do think that it's definitely a possibility. And maybe it might seem less robust to us, but let's just explore that and think it might seem less robust, but maybe they have something else that makes them more robust to their environment than we would be. Mm -hmm. So maybe they don't need all the stuff that we have. Maybe they communicate differently, whether it be pheromones, sound, or telepathy. Um, We just don't know. But it's a fun thing to explore, the silicon theory. Yes, yes. And it's, it's, again, it's through these questions that can pique our curiosity and our excitement. Let's get into this article. And it's a very, very short one. But there's some things that I want to touch on about this article. It's actually, I'm just going to read it. So pretty much the summary of this is that Canada recently tightened its rules regarding astronaut conduct in space. On April 28, 2022, the Canadian Parliament reviewed a federal budget implementation bill that will make crime illegal in space and on the surface of the moon. So when this this article written about Canada is is pretty fascinating. Um, and like I had mentioned a little bit earlier, all of these articles, I will place the link in the description box below as soon as soon as this show is over. But these are all these are all very, very fascinating. Before I continue, Priscilla, you read the article. What caught your eye on this? It was it was something I never honestly thought about. I just always assumed that we would have like basic laws if we ever traveled to space. But it depends. It goes back to are we the only people traveling to space and these laws are only, you know, abidable by things that we understand? 
Do you know what I mean? Like, what if we're you're another civilization, and the things that we deem moral and immoral don't apply to them? So it kind of made me think about like, will we run into issues like that? Like, it's okay to kill people in one area. <laughs> it's okay to steal if you need it, you know, with other alien races or other um, life out there. But to us, obviously, we don't think that's okay. But that's what it made me think about because I never really thought about it until I read this article. Honestly, I just assumed everybody would behave in space, even though watching space movies, we know. That's not true. <laughs> no, that's not true. And that that's where the conversation about the expanse arises once again, where you're dealing with different factions and they have all their slight different laws and rules. But for the most part, it's pretty collective of if you commit a crime, you will a crime, you will be punished. But what is interesting in all of this is that apparently allegedly there was a crime already committed in space in 2019 by nasa astronaut ann mccain and we're gonna get into a little bit more detail onto that because i wasn't familiar with the story i didn't know anything about it so i went ahead and i did research on Who's Anne McCain? What crime did she commit in space? Was she really the very first person to commit a crime while on the International Space Station? So this was making its rounds in 2019 when she was on the ISS for 203 days. And allegedly she had she was accused of identity theft and accessing private financial accounts. And who told the public this? Her ex-wife, Summer Warden. So I'm like, oh my gosh, this is insane. I'm reading articles. Someone already committed a, a crime in space in 2019. How did I not hear about this? So I, I did some more digging. Turns out, Summer Warden, the wife to this woman right here, lied to federal officials stating that McCain accessed her bank account when in reality she did not. So she became incredibly famous for committing the first crime in space only to be told later that that was a total lie. That blew my mind. Oh my goodness. I would be so mad. For, but, but besides that, that, that's crazy. And that's crazy that it was so recent, like you said, and we haven't really like, I don't remember hearing about this. I didn't hear about it. And apparently uh, there was a, a good amount of mainstream news coverage on it where it, it was practically labeled as first crime committed in space? Question oh, mark. Course. And they went into detail. But then there was a court case where um, people would see if her wife would end up going to prison for five years for lying to federal officials twice, not just once. But I twice. Would have what did it do to her career? Ruined it. You know what I mean? So she needs to be held accountable for lying like that. And to me, it's kind of a funny thing because being married, we access each other's stuff all the time. <laughs> Maybe you don't trust your wife or whatever. Right. But, but at, well, at this time, well, at this time when she was a part of the ISS, uh, in, in the ISS, the International Space Station, they were already estranged. So they, oh, were, okay. they were beginning to file divorce. Oh, when man. I when I was reading this, so it was kind of a, a touchy subject to access the other person's bank oh, account. Okay. But, that makes sense. Yeah. <laughs> but here's the thing: she had a son, and the reason th what she ended up telling the press was that the reason to why she was accessing these private accounts was to make sure that her son had enough funds for 
for whatever it was. And that's why she was accessing it. And apparently through writing, she was able to do so. So no. Summer Summer uh, did, did, did not have a good case on her back after she lied to federal officials on all of this. When in writing, it had given Anne McCain... Um, the 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 possibility to access these private accounts so it 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 kind of i didn't know anything about this i had to do a lot of research for that and i'm like what's going on and there wasn't really a lot of information on it all of the articles were just covering the first crime in space but actually <laughs> what course. happened right but actually what happened in court and how it was handled i couldn't find anything on it which was rather disappointing yeah, I, hopefully she was able to recover for that because that sounds like a big, you know, like if it ruined her career, hopefully something happens to make her back to where she was in her career. Yeah, yeah, it's it's not easy. I mean, as Esmeralda says, divorce is, is often messy and it's it's really unfortunate, especially when you're a part of the public eye, when you're in the public eye and everything that happens to you is now for everyone to see. It just adds a lot more stress to the whole situation. Oh, of course. I can't imagine being, you know, the, the whole Johnny Depp and Amber. I, I don't think it's right that it's out there like that. I understand why, because the law is whatever. But can you imagine having, and even this woman, Anne, like having all of that just out Yikes. For everybody to see and comment on and make TikToks and memes about, like, it's insane nowadays. It is. And I won't get into that. Dan says, one lie can ruin a life without a doubt. One lie can ruin everything. So we only have one more article to cover. And we'll make this one a little, we'll make this one short. It's also related to advanced technology. And this one kind of leads into the typical tv show and i'm gonna let people answer that in the live chat if they know exactly what tv show i'm talking about but this one is from the daily mail and it is hyundai's bizarre star wars style walking car that can clamber over difficult terrain moves a step closer to reality with the opening of a $20 million development center in Montana. And here is how it looks. Tell me that looks awesome, please. It's pretty cool. And I think we're going to need one when we get our spaceship. <laughs> yeah, to, to, to travel that unknown terrain. But in this article, we just realized, and again, this was this was published on the 9th, so not too long ago. And in this article, it's stating that this walking car is just one step closer to reality over the vehicle manufacturer unveiled this $20 million development center to expedite its arrival. And the aim of the New Horizons studio, which is the one that's creating this, which has opened in Montana in the United States, is to build vehicles for future customers who want or need to travel over terrains which are challenging for conventional ground vehicles. So if you had this, if you had this <laughs> stunning, stunning car, 
<laughs> where would you take it? What, what, what would be the oh first place you would take this? And also people in the live chat, please answer that question. If you if you were just given this as a <laughs> gift, where would you go first? I don't think I'd go into the forest because I don't want to smash trees on accident. But a, a place like this, like some rocky desert, like with a lot of hills in it, like somewhere in California, Arizona, it would be interesting to take. Uh, maybe not on dunes. It might sink in. But yeah, I think that I would go to some rocky places like this. Oh, yeah. It would be cool, like, on Mars, obviously, but um, <laughs> Oh, yeah, I don't know. absolutely. I'm also going to say I would hold off for, like, the mech suit, like the giant robot suit <laughs> before this because that would be way cooler. But we're making steps. we got the car with the legs now. Right. And what actually came to mind when I first saw this, as well as Star Wars, but was from the video game Elite. What happened? Oh, okay. Well, just was that your up. ride? Was that your ride on Elite? <laughs> <laughs> Let me open that again. Okay. But this is also pretty similar. And this goes on incredibly rough terrain. And look, there's me. Hello. <laughs> uh, my, my video game character is like my alter ego. Just uh, <clears throat> anyways. <laughs> but when... When I was looking at this, it just again reminds me of Elite Dangerous. And I'm telling you, if you don't play the game, you should just consider it. Just just be like, just try it out for one day. Just one day. It's such a great game. It. <laughs> it's like a it's very relaxing. But this here is the rover buggy. And I you have to buy it and I and I love it and I bought it with with you know credits from from the game not like with real <laughs> you <money>. earned it <laughs> there we go jessica thank you so much um zenza i'm so happy you made it home oh skyhawk says if he yes. has this amazing car he would take it to the mesa at skinwalker ranch Ooh. That's genius. Only if you're given permission, though. Like, I don't want you to be trespassing. Like, I don't want to see you in jail, Skyhawk, okay? Yeah. So make sure you have permission. But, I mean, look, if you have that kind of tech, Brandon would be more than happy. Oh, I'm sure. To have you buy, on. like, <laughs> Dragon would get one. Travis would get one. <laughs> but would it stay on? Because there's that triangle area where things like to turn off. So it's going to go around the triangle, I guess. That's a really good point. That's a really good point. I mean, does this take gas? Is is, is it electrical? Yeah. That's a great question. I, yeah, I don't want to whistle. I don't want to whistle. I don't want to like do any spoilers for this last the last uh, Skinwalker. But oh, you know, they always have technology issues, and uh, they had some technology going that was a big deal that we all know about, and it turned off every time they try oh. to take measurements or yeah, this, information. This, so. this season three was, I think, the best season of all time, and. I do want to say that I will have Thomas Winterton on the show for next Tuesday on Ooh. Shifting the Paradigm and talking about stuff that doesn't really get discussed on the show, like the hitchhiker effect. Nice. And for those that don't know, he is the superintendent of the ranch, but I recommend that you watch the show. It is pretty fascinating, but season three by far is the best. Absolutely. So far. So far. I did like the Tesla coils, though, in the last season that... <laughs> that was pretty cool. I did like that as well. Let me show you another picture. Oh, look, see that? Looks like a little flat tortilla, but I'll take <laughs> the it. The tortilla planet. <laughs> <laughs> and then here's another one as well, showing very similar to what the Hyundai wants to make. But we we are just we are just on the 
edge of of going so far with our technology and with exploration and with just pushing for this amazing future that I can almost just taste it. I can just be like, like it tastes very salty, but delicious. Jonaside says, really enjoy this show format. More ramen. Thank you for the ramen fund. <laughs> and uh, Neurostream, thank you so much for the super sticker. TMI says, love season three. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. And Curious George says they were fun. So I feel like we've covered a lot in today's show. And with talking about this car, before I end everything, let's say we have multiple people driving this type of Hyundai car. Would there be new street and traffic laws? I mean, would would we need to accommodate for these walking cars? And if so, like what what laws would change? I don't know. Like you could potentially go over people's cars if it's big enough. Do you know what I mean? They'd be like, stop going oh, yeah. over people's cars, you know. Um I was thinking races, like personally, like we could that'd have races. Cool. But yeah, that'd be interesting. Like, would they only allow them to be on off-road situations, not like on the normal road? Like you can't take it like down the highway. How fast do they go anyway? But you know what I mean? Like you can't <laughs> yeah. take it from like your house to the grocery store because it's obnoxious. And <laughs> Well, the, the aim is to address challenging driving situations and potentially save lives as, uh, as the first responder in natural disasters. And it's also... I, and I feel like with that, that's that's a great mentality to have. It's it's to end up just to help people because you are yes. able to access really tough terrain that you might not be able to access with a regular car or maybe an ATV or even a helicopter. This type of walking car, which is amazing, could could do so much good for our future. Absolutely. Yeah, that's, that makes a lot of sense. Besides it being cool, that sounds like a great use for it in the beginning. <laughs> like, you know, give it to the people that can behave like a fireman and first responders and then right. let the rest of us have it later. Yeah, Maybe on a track with the new toy. Hey, <laughs> yeah. like, I mean, I'm okay with that. Yeah. Uh, like there's off-road vehicle like people, you know, <laughs> I'm down. I would try it. Bob, thank you so much for the super sticker. And Priscilla, thank you so much for being my guest co-host today. We covered so much and I am so grateful that you were able to do this with me and being so generous with your time. Where can people find you online and who's going to be your next guest on your show? Oh, so you can find me. All of my handles are pretty much the same. Twitter and Instagram is, as you see it on the screen, um, at quantum underscore witch, which is spelled with a Y. And from there, you can find YouTube and links in my link tree. But my YouTube is called Quantum Witch Cafe, and which is spelled with a Y again. So you can find that stuff there. But my next guest is going to be Nathaniel Gillis. You just had him on. So um, yeah, we're doing a part two. So because I had him on and I was like, no, I have more questions. <laughs> um, so we're going to be talking more about kind of like dream events and stuff like that, because a lot of people are having like dream experiences and um, 
sleep paralysis, but not just like a normal sleep paralysis, sleep paralysis with entities or they wake up with like scarring or mm -hmm. um, like, you know, physical effects the next day. So I really wanted to talk to him about like the dream part specifically. And for those that haven't subscribed to her channel, please do. You do not want to miss this guest. Nathaniel brings in always very interesting information. And I do also want to mention that all of Priscilla's links are in the description box below. Priscilla, thank you once again. Thank you for having me. This has been fun. <laughs> and that is it for our second episode of Strange Paradigms. How are you liking this dynamic of, of covering weekly news of everything from science advancements to UFOs to the paranormal to fringe science? Are you enjoying this? I'm not going to lie. I am. I, I didn't know I would be covering news like this, but I'm really happy that I am. Spaced Out Radio, thank you so much. It is so great to see you here, my friend. And uh, I do want to say a big hello, but also a big goodbye to everyone that watched this live. If you're listening to this in podcast format, jump over to YouTube so that you're able to see all the pictures and all of the visuals of the articles that we showed right here. The link is below for the YouTube link. That is it for today's video. I will see you next time. Be safe. And remember, keep your eyes on the skies.